what's Meryl researching anyway? Gwen frowned. Lots of things. Meryl's brilliant. Horrible, but brilliant. When she first came here, she was obsessed with theories regarding the existence of different realms. Different worlds. Living on top of each other without even knowing it. Whether there is merely one existence, our existence, or if it might be possible for worlds to overlap, occupying the same space, but separated by time, and a whole bunch of other things I can't even begin to explain to you because I barely understand them myself. Nessa's brows rose. Really? Some philosophers believe there are 11 worlds like that, and some believe there are as many as 26. The last one being time itself. Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession. We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical fairy-filled lands of Prithian. Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or hello, fair darling, then proceed with caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club. Stay smutty. Hello there, listener darling, and welcome back to another episode of the House of Wind Book Club. And I'm coming at you live from the West Coast, baby. Uh, I made it. I made it to California. Coast I'm like, to coast, literally. Like we drove. I don't think. I don't think you could. Tr- you could go further, or pick two points that were further from each other if you tried. Yeah, unless you like go to Alaska. Northern, true, Alaska would be, but like northernmost Maine. No, it's not in the. Con- yeah, right. But yeah, from northern Maine to California, uh, three thousand five hundred miles in five days. <laughs> Help. That is absolutely unreal. Oh, Oh my gosh. You you know what else is unreal? I'm just so happy to be back on the West Coast. Oh, I love California. (laughs) Hell yeah. California is a great place to be. So good. Especially in the Bay Area. Yes. I'm like living in a redwood forest right now. So you guys Mm -hmm. might be able to hear the raindrops falling because I'm back to camper recording. So, but it's like very, very peaceful and it smells so good. If you've ever been in a redwood forest, Mm. yeah, it smells so good. I'd like my windows down half the ride. Like once we hit like San Jose, I just like put my windows down. I was like, I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready. Hit me with that, Uh, that smell. yes so good so i'm alive and i'm ready to ready to get back into the podcasting game baby (laughs) (laughs) um with that being said we are a little leggy as far as our audio goes so bear with us if it feels like we're like interrupting each other a lot it's it's just because it's lagging and one of us will start talking before the audio comes through of what the previous person said. Um, but yeah, just bear with us. It just comes with comes with being <laughs> virtual podcasters in different areas, I guess. Our, 
nomadic podcasting lifestyle, you know, as part of the game. There it is. There it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we can get into this episode. I want to touch on a couple of audiobook recommendations because, like I just said, I was in the car for five days in a row and I've listened to like five different audiobooks. Um, but I listened to Icebreaker and Wildfire by Hannah Grace. You guys, I think I'm entering my my hockey romance era. I actually started Icebreaker. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to like that one. Oh, it's so good. The things that the that the main one of the main characters like says in that book, like there was one moment where I audibly was like, oh, shut up. No, it's so I good. Love it. I oh love it. If it makes you gasp, if it makes your I've said this before, but I'll always say it again. If it makes your jaw hit the ground or if it makes you screech like. At least for me, when I hear something really, really filthy and and I'm in the car alone, I like scream. I like pause it and I scream and I like replay it 17 times in my head if it's really good. And then I keep playing and I just like I just I just scream. Oh, yeah. The scream I scrumped. It was good. So yeah, those I scrumped. (laughs) <laughs> those two books uh you can find on audible and you can get a month free trial and a free audiobook title at www.audibletrial.com slash house of wind heck yeah heck yeah there's so many and honestly we should start making a list of all of our recommendations of like all of our audible recommendations all of our like shadow daddy recommendations maybe we'll do that and put that on our patreon um as far as like our recommendations for that so that kind of gets us into our next tidbit please if you aren't already a member please check out our patreon is a really wonderful way to support us to support us continue making and producing these podcast episodes for you it's it's a ton of fun for us so it really does give us a chance to get to know all of you a little bit better and it also provides us with some of the funds needed um, now that we are getting a lot more inquiries and a lot more um, suggestions and just kind of things on our plate when it comes to the house of wind podcast um, it kind of just helps us support us in that way as well we have two different tier options so based on um, what you're able or what you're interested in, you can check those out on our Patreon. Yes. Okay. Let's let's dive in. Let's dive into let's last episode. So last episode, we reviewed the not so good, <laughs> the bad, and the ugly start to uh, Silver Flames. <laughs> and, you know, shit is kind of hitting the fan with the human queen, and as well as with Koshi. Um, and Eris... Uh, lovely Eris. We have like a love-hate relationship with this man. Um, but he's he's causing our baby boy cast grief. And Nesta is in the throngs of well, you know, being Nesta and processing her situation in a way that works for her at this moment in time. Um, up until this point, right? Because last episode we reviewed 11 chapters, which was a lot. So we just kind of did like a brief overview. But up until this point, she has refused to train with Cass. She's attempted the 10,000 stairs a few times for admittedly the wrong reasons. And she's also quietly working in the library, which is actually going really well. And I feel like that's not 
like talked about. It's like we're we're it's just like so focused on all of the things that are going really poorly for Nesta. I mean, those are the things that are easy to think about, but I I do have to admit the library situation even with everything else going to hell is going really well. Mm-hmm. Um and then her and the house have had a few quiet and sweet moments. So we know it's like alive-ish at least to Nesta, which is amazing. And in the last chapter, she met both Emery and Gwyn. And although Nesta has a long ways to go, we are going to dive into her journey of healing, friendship, and love. So buckle up. And (laughs) I have to tell you, I owe you a correction apology. I, because I was driving, I listened to these chapters for this week. And the audiobook pronounces it Brie Allen. So you were right about that. Oh, okay. And I hope I did not, you know, I hope I won't make it confusing for you. But it is Brie Allen, apparently, in the audiobook. Brie so Allen. I apologize for that. Yes. Brie Allen, Brie Allen, Brie Allen, Brie Allen, Brie Allen, Brie Allen. If I say it a million <laughs> times, it'll eventually stick. But no promises. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're not linguists. Whatever. These people have very hard names to pronounce. We're doing the best we can out here. All right. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. I've got issues with pronunciation of anything, let alone fucking hard names. I know. I was going to say, like, at least (laughs) it just really, yeah, it like sucks because it's like you just add that level of like fantasy names on top of it where you sometimes you look at it and you're just like, what the fuck is this? What is this? Okay. You just you just hitting me when I'm down at this point. There's just like no vowels. It's like all Y's. Nothing in constant truly like nothing makes you feel more unintelligent than completely botching a name that someone has corrected you on 17 times in a row. <laughs> Listen, that's this podcast is here to keep us humble, you know, because there's a lot of people that will listen to our mistakes. So, and you so guys many keep us honest. Are so, yeah, and so many of you are so kind and so yeah. sweet. When I when either of us just like royally messes something up, we know that something in what we said or like we're thinking about was wrong. So a mm-hmm. lot of times we're like, yeah, let us know, and y'all do a good job of letting us know. <laughs> But it's it is always in the kindest. No, literally, no one has been. I'm so I'm like honestly happy about this podcast experience so far because that was my biggest fear was like putting putting myself out there and then someone just being a complete jerk. But like literally, no one has been mean. Every response is so nice, but it's just so funny. It is, it is because I think a lot of the responses are like you you probably listen to us say something really stupid or really wrong and I just like I just imagine being in your shoes and you're probably like oh honey oh, <laughs> no no no, oh, no. Or you're just like in your in your car like what why <laughs> I know you're sorry and then there's <laughs> Hannah and I are one little brain cells dancing together our, like each of us have half a brain cell that collectively make one <laughs> one brain cell. That when we have merch, can we make t-shirts that say one brain cell club? <gasps> yes. I bet I, I bet that. our guy that did our logo can come up yes. with a really cool design for that. 
Okay. Yes. And also to, to, with to actually TV. on that thread, a, a while back, <clears throat> quite a while back at this time, we had um, talked about starting merch and we do have like our merch ideas all set and ready to go. Um, we just haven't really had a chance to really get the ball rolling on that front yet. But just know that it's still something we are 110% still planning on doing. It's just not going to happen like immediately, but it will happen. Just so you know. Good thing comes. Good things come to those who wait. Good things come. Good things do good come. Thing. <laughs> good things. Good girls. Good boys. Good girls. Good boys. <laughs> oh lordy. Oh okay. my god. On that note, let's talk let's about cats this. and Nesta. Let's do this episode. <laughs> Hi guys. What you're here for? <laughs> okay, chapter twelve. So, Cass decided. He's going to try something new with Nesta's training today. And their last encounter, remember, it was kind of intense. And Cass, <clears throat> Cass and Pharaoh were speaking. And Cass was like, oh, I'm going to try. I have an idea and I'm going to try one more thing. And this is my last, this is my last olive branch. And then I'm out of ideas. So he decides that instead of bringing her to an arena full of Illyrians watching, He's going to bring her to the training ring atop the House of Wind. And when he says it like this for the first time, you're like, oh, yeah, no shit. Of course, yeah, that's why she wasn't training. Like, why Why didn't we all collectively recognize that the very first second we asked her to train in front of a bunch of Valyrians? Right. Yeah. Also, yeah. why, why yeah. do the females have to train there anyways? Like, why can't they have their own private area where like they won't be bothered by the assholes walking by being like are you in your period don't touch that sword like melt that sword down and then throw yeah, the iron gross. away like yeah it's just like what it's such a toxic Whoop. environment Bye. why would you want to train there <laughs> yeah and we got we have to give Cass credit because there is absolutely no trace of his anger from the previous evening right when he blew up at her and again, this attempt at training is his last straw. Nesta doesn't know that, but he knows it. So he looked at Nesta and he's like, well, everyone else is busy and no one's around to winnow us. So we're going to train here today. And he, gave, he gives her that devilish smirk and he says, just you and me, Ness. I'm like, shit, <sighs> Nesta, if you don't want the job. If you don't want the job, I know, pointing to myself, I know someone who'll take it. <laughs> Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> Choose me. Love me. Choose yeah. Me. <laughs> I, I know, you know, Nessa in her head is just like, I'm in trouble. Yeah. At least I hope she is. <laughs> and Cass also realized that Nesta never flat out said no to training. She said mm -hmm. she wouldn't train, quote, in that miserable village. And this just goes to show Nesta Nesta is brave, but she is proud almost to a fault. Um, yes. And when I say almost to a fault, definitely to a fault. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Cass almost shames himself for not realizing it earlier, but of course she wouldn't be okay with seeming weak and foolish in front of these like arrogant, shitty Illyrian warriors. So. Right. <sighs> 
And this is kind of where I'm like, okay, especially in the reread, you're like, okay, this is like truly the first hint of her fatal flaw, per se, right? Because her her aggression towards others and her like, <clears throat> just the way she deals with her feelings isn't okay. But t- take that away and like dive into the the maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh layer of the onion, right? This is this is one of the biggest roots of her problem, and it's her ego. Yeah. Her ego is big, right? And that's where most of her issues stem from, honestly. She's too proud. Yeah. And her this pride, is where yeah. this is where I have something to say. And I can't remember Same. if I said it in last episode. But if we had a male character acting this same exact way. We'd be like, oh, you're an ass, but like, you're just one of the boys. But because it's Nesta mm-hmm. and she's female, yeah, we're like, oh, like, it's just like, it almost feels like it's blown out of proportion so much more than it would be if it were just a male doing these yeah. same exact things. Yeah, I can see that. And I... yeah. Right? Like, having a really Mm -hmm. big ego, Mm -hmm. who, stereotypically speaking, who struggles with that? Yeah. If you're you're truly just looking at, like, yeah, like, the characters in this fantasy world, right? Mm -hmm. Who has the biggest egos? Reese has a pretty big ego. Tamlin has Mm -hmm. a big ego. Eris? Baron? Are you shitting me? Mm -hmm. Literally every single male in this world, except for Cass Mm -hmm. and Az. Mm-hmm. has an ego the size of two freaking castles. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think that because, because it's through like a, a female lens, it is like, we just like inherently like look at it differently and treat it differently. Okay. And I agree with you where it's like, I don't think, yeah, it's still just as bad. Like it's the same level of bad when it's any of those male stupid. characters do it. It still yeah. sucks. But like it's like Yeah. It's cool to see it in a female character though. Where it's like put on display like that. Yeah, it is. It's frustrating as hell to read about. But right. it is like Oh yeah, it's a very good point. I like that. Mhm. Mhm. And with with her ego just being the way that it is and her pride and her all, everything about it, I can, looking at, like, her story, you can basically 100% contribute this to her upbringing and basically their awful mother. Oh, You know, yes. their, their mother, I feel like, just inflated Nesta in all the wrong ways. Mm-hmm. Like, she put Nesta's value in all the wrong things. When Nesta is clearly much more than just, like, who she can marry and what she can bring to the family from a stamp from that standpoint. Like Nesta is such a dynamic character yet growing up their mother, like isolated all three of them into what they could do and what they were like, what, what their purpose was almost. Yep. And told them that over and over again to the point where like, Nesta's like, no, this is on me. Like, I, I am the only one that can do this. Yeah. And, and also, I, too, like, 
Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I didn't hear that you were still going. Sorry. No, nope. no, that's okay. You, no, okay. you go. You're fine. <laughs> I, I hate interrupting. Um, <laughs> yeah. The um, what I was gonna say too is that like when you think about like what you're just saying about with their mom, like their mom was like Elaine is the beautiful one, right? Like she's she's our chip. Like we have to play our cards right with her, get her to marry the right person. She's gonna marry like a a prince or a king one day, right? Like. And so their mother's gone and that's like Nesta took that on herself to orchestrate that, right? Like who is Elaine going to marry? And it's just crazy because now that is kind of gone. And Nesta, I feel like Nesta's whole life was like orchestrating like what, what like Elaine and Pharaoh were going to do and who they were going to marry and what they were going to be. And she never really like, knew herself if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. yeah and i i totally agree with that and i think in the same Mm -hmm. vein it's that kind of it goes along with her need for control that's that's her ego and her need for control are kind of the two things that dictate how she acts and right Mm -hmm. now we've talked we talked about it last episode a lot she has no control Mm -hmm. so what does she have left her ego so we're going to lean on our ego a lot harder because those are our two pillars of our foundation and one of them is knocked out. So the other one has to get bigger to support us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's oh my, my that's my uh, me delving into Nesta's psyche. Her psychology. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, but as they kind of start to train, Nesta hesitates and this gives Cass a glimmer of hope for the very first time and just seeing Cass hopeful and reading that gives me butterflies and again the people pleaser and the empath in me and Hannah I know you can relate to this yes makes me so sad that Nesta doesn't have that super strong drive to give that to Cass all the time. Not that that's why she should ever do anything ever. Mm-hmm. Like that's not healthy, obviously. Right. But you know, we don't really ever get to see even when they're like at the end, they're like together together like his needs don't drive her if that makes sense. Right. But her needs are always driving him. Like, it's just yeah, such a one-sided thing. Yes, and that's healthy relationships. Uh, like, if you've ever listened to any, like, Brene Brown or, like, people who talk about, like, like things for being in a healthy relationship, like, relationships at best are 50-50 when it comes to, you know, compromising and contributing, like, you know, looking out for your partner. And... That's on a good day. So, like, Cassian is giving, like, 100% this entire book, and Nessa's giving zero. On some days, she's giving 5%, maybe. So that's why I'm really hoping in the next book, we get to see, like, them in their full-on, like, they're together, and it's they're in their healthy stages. Because, yeah, I mean, that's just part, that's, part of being in a relationship is 
is doing things for your partner sometimes. And it should not be all the time. You're right. But when you love someone, you naturally want to do things that, you know, will make them happy or you take a, you take a L every now and then to let them have their moment or whatever, you know, like that's just Mm -hmm. what a kind partner does. And I agree. You can't, we talk about that all the time of boundaries. Like it has to be, you know, still within where you're being healthy, but yeah, sometimes you're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. And inside you're like, no, you're not. But you just let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Or you go, yeah, it hurts. (laughs) It hurts. Or you go do that activity that's not your favorite, but your partner loves it. You know, you just, you do that every now and then. And you hope that they do that for you too. But yeah, it, I agree with you. It's just like, Nessa's, Nessa's not giving anything. She doesn't give a shit about yeah. what Cassian wants or needs. No. So she's like in the midst of hesitating, right? And Cass is like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I, I like, I need to get her in. So he says... I'll make a deal with you. If you do an hour of exercises right now, I'll owe you a favor. And this made Nesta hesitate even more, but ultimately she's like, anything, anything I want. And she agrees and she agrees. Okay. And so he extended his hand one last time. And I need, before I get into this next part, I need to say that I wrote this summary like weeks ago, like mm-hmm. before Flame and Shadow came out. Okay. I wrote this before Flame and Shadow. I just need to say that. So they shake on the deal, but the <laughs> magic that zapped between them was like really, really, really intense. And whatever her power is, it demanded more than like a typical bargain. Right. So we know, well, we know two things in this moment. We know her power is really wild. And two, we know that the mating bond may or may not have played a part in this, kind of looking right. back on knowing what we do. Um, and he started looking for his tattoo. And I love this part, you guys. Mm-hmm. I love this because he's like, he's like lifting one arm up, lifting another arm up, looking. And then he's like, ah, fuck it. He just takes his shirt off. And he's like looking around. And Nesta isn't even looking. She's just like staring and drooling because can you imagine a man looking for something on his body you know how many muscles are going to flex in those movements Mm. i'm i'm having a great time just imagining it yeah that's a movie i'd like to play on repeat (laughs) yeah that's a the moment i close my eyes to go to bed that's the dream i want going on a cycle And Nesta, I can just see Nesta being like, oh, wait, was there, was there a little bit like on your hip, like going down? And that would just be enough for Cass to just like strip his pants off. And Nesta's like, I think it's, I think it might be a little, a little lower. Drop your boxers a little bit, please. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. Okay. So, quote, there, dead in the center of the Illyrian tattoo snaking down his spine. A new tattoo had appeared. An eight-pointed star whose compass points radiated in sharp lines across and up the groove of his back, twinning with the Illyrian Marlin's long ink there. The eastern and western points of the star shot right into his wings, black blending into black. A matching one, he knew, would be on Nesta's spine. I also, like, this sounds absolutely gorgeous. Like, the, the points 
going Amber, toward his I wings. Want a spine tattoo that... so bad. Oh, that would be beautiful. It and all I have to say so is beautiful. Mm. I just wrote that. I wrote that in big fat. I wrote that in big fat capital letters. <laughs> An eight pointed oh, star. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> hmm. An eight pointed star. Curious. Coincidence? Hey, I curious. think not. Um, anyway. I think not. <laughs> um, and so Cass looked back to Nesta, who was now devouring him with her eyes, and suddenly things became like very heated internally for both of them. And he looked at her with a double meaning, and he said, "Ready?" <laughs> and when she said yes, they both they both understood the different things that they were saying yes to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Illyrian training 101 teacher lord of bloodshed lesson one toes amber this this whole sequence made me think of when i teach patients that have like ankle issues because you know we always go like from the floor up right i when i teach people toe yoga they're like, what? Like exercises for my feet? But like, it's so important to have strong feet. So I love that SJM like actually did her research. And this is like, this is like some therapy shit. And I love it. Mm-hmm. So Nesta, just like our patients, scoffs at the idea and is like, aren't we going to start with like swords or something? And he's like, nope, we're going to train your toes and your feet. Um, and before she knows it, she's sweating and her legs are complete jelly. And after an hour of various stretching, balance exercises, and learning just like a basic technique for a squat, she is absolutely spent. And Cass, I just imagine his humor is like not well hidden at all. But it's no. not it's not like laughing at her. It's it's just like it's just that playful humor that he always has playing like at the corner of his mouth and probably in his eyes you know you could mm-hmm. ju- i could just see it so i could see it so well um and he offers another bargain for a second hour but N- nesta was like i physically even if i wanted to absolutely absolutely not i cannot <laughs> she's like are you trying so, to kill me yeah she's like no <laughs> so they cool down and they do some more stretching and breath work and breathwork is one of my all-time favorite things in this book, honestly. This is where, like, speaking in the therapy realm of things, like, when it comes to occupational therapy, one of the things I do is I, with every single patient, I, one of the first questions I ask them is, not directly, you know, it depends on the patient and it depends on the person, but I usually get to, I like to get a really good grasp of where their mental health is um because as we know mental health impacts everything that we do and if you're in the hospital or somewhere because of a physical injury or something that happened your mental health is going to be impacted in some way shape or form obviously oh yeah Um, and i think and go ahead go ahead no you go ahead (laughs) i was i was just going to say with with that if you people get 
so stuck in these in these cycles of pain um of of pain of change of just being in a really not good situation our brains are naturally wired to focus on the not so good things that is just how our brains work it's how our fight or flight that's how our nervous system is wired for us to survive and so we have to literally retrain our brains to try to focus on different things and the foundation of everything about that i i firmly believe that just being able to control your breath is the first step into being able to control your mind and i fucking love that about this book about like how beautifully it is portrayed in nesta's journey of not only her mental health but also getting stronger physically yes yes it's it's crazy because yeah i I love that sjm includes this it's so important like your your breath especially if you've ever done like yoga or anything like that your breath is like directly linked to your nervous system so like controlling your breathing is essentially a way to kind of like regulate your nervous system which again puts you in that fight or flight or that you know rest and digest kind of of um state of being in your body and then Mm -hmm. yeah your your mindset is everything that is it's so so important there is actual research i'm going to go on a little tangent here because i just think it's so important there's actual research on the way that you think about things and the way things are portrayed in your mind if you think about things in a more positive manner you live longer there's research on that like the way that you perceive like one of the examples there's a really good ted talk about it um where they say like if you think about stress stress in itself is not a negative thing right stress and like the feelings you get associated with it it can be a bad thing but it also you can think of it in a way of like i'm having a new experience my body you know like is preparing me for this this is why i'm feeling this way it's okay to feel a little bit uncomfortable it's like spinning things in a more positive way in your brain is linked to like healthier longer happier lives and mm-hmm. i just think that's really important and we're healthcare workers first and foremost so we're always going to be spitting that mm-hmm. that jargon at you guys because it's so right. it's so important to take care of your mind and to take care of your body it's what it's what carries your beautiful little spirit around this earth and it's just yeah. so important yeah and i think like on a on kind of a real more personal note too like not only are we healthcare workers but it, you know we also have mental health things right mm-hmm. um like for me growing up basically from the time i was old enough to be understand what i was feeling quite frankly until i was like in my low 20s mm-hmm. i true honest to god didn't realize this is what it was but i was like specifically for like five years of that time like really depressed like really really depressed scary depressed um and it was something that i didn't even really recognize um and even when i did recognize it i i didn't have the capacity to do anything about it because of the situation that i was in there was just there was nothing i could have done okay fast forward in my life 
to when I first started traveling therapy. Okay. Moved across the country, had a bunch of stuff that went down. There was like a moment and Hannah was actually with me for this moment that I had like my very first panic attack. And then I had, seriously, you guys, I had crippling anxiety that I just got over like six months ago. And when I say crippling, like I had a year and a half where I maybe slept three hours a night because I was, I was just terrified all the time. I was so scared. I was just beyond myself. I, for those of you who struggle with anxiety, you get it. I, there, there is no way to explain adequately what that level of anxiety does to your brain and your body. I mean, I was like a walking zombie for so long, so fucking long. And it's so tough, but it took me a very, very long time to find what worked for me. But ultimately what I had to do every single night, and the reason I love breathwork so much and I just like really advocate for it is I had such a intense routine to try to get to sleep. And I would like I would go to work and I would get like a really good workout in and I would do my like three walks a day and I would eat super healthy. You know, I would I did everything right. So with that being said, a little tangent on my tangent, but sometimes you can do everything right and your mental health is still not improving and that's okay. Yep. Yep. It might not feel okay, but it is okay. It is okay. It's just the way it's just the way it is. Um, And I had this intense routine where I would (laughs) I would do like 45 minutes of yoga and then I would do 30 minutes of breath work and then I would do 20 minutes of meditation and like I guess before all of that I would journal like positive things just for like for so long and I had this little checklist that I did every single night and I would go to sleep I I had really bad health anxiety in particular um and I would do this checklist And if I got to sleep, it would be great. Most of the time, I didn't sleep for more than 45 minutes at a time. And so when I woke up, I'd get up and I'd do the whole damn thing again. And then I'd go to sleep, if I even fell asleep. And I'd get up and I'd do it again. Some nights I would do it three, four times. And ultimately, a long story short, at the end of my crippling anxiety, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still have anxiety. It's just not crippling at this point. The things that I learned from breathwork in particular is just reflected so beautifully in this book with Nesta. And I, yes, it is. I love it. I just, it, it gives me goosebumps. It, it puts tears in my eyes every time. I just think it's so special and so unique. Agreed. I agree. Yeah. It's so important. I love that she keeps it, that she puts it in here. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And it's just like, it's really cool to see how much power that Nesta gains from the breathwork, even in this first session with Cass, right? And it really, it really shows, especially as he's teaching her these things, how, how wise and powerful Cass is behind his like aloof demeanor. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He's, he's brilliant. And there's a reason he is as powerful and strong as he is. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And I love, this is the first hint of like the resilient side of Nesta is 
she listens to what he has to say she does what he has to say and it's she sucks at it like we all do at the thing that we try for the first time but she keeps on trying yeah. and Cass isn't patronizing her he does he's not making her feel less and he's not coddling her either which those two things i think in my opinion go hand in hand right yes you can't yeah he he just has the perfect balance of all of that and and on the way out of training Cass apologized to her for what he said the previous night he's like i i didn't mean it i don't hate you you know everyone doesn't hate you it's it's the opposite right everyone's doing this because they don't hate her like they love you and although she tries she does try to argue that everyone does hate her she eventually walks away with a clear gaze and says and i've never hated you cassian finally a breakthrough finally finally oh i love it <sighs> so good go nesta Chapter... go go freaking nesta like finally it's just nice when you have a moment of like thank you for telling him that because he needs to hear that too that you don't hate him because okay. <laughs> literally how else is he also supposed go to Cass. oh sorry nope I was done. Sorry, did I interrupt you? <laughs> no, you didn't. Okay. Yeah, you're good. That was a weird leggy moment. Um, also, it's go okay. Cass for finding an avenue that worked for her. Yes. He would, again, he'd make a brilliant therapist. This is literally our jobs like every day. Yeah. We're really leggy right now. <laughs> Just oh, so no. you all know. <laughs> it ebbs and Can flows. You? Just like life. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, the lag of life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, my neighbors are like throwing a rager outside right now. So I really hope you guys can't hear that in the background. Can you hear it, Amber? I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. I really hope that it comes that I can get it to come out if it does show up in this, you guys. I'm I'm so sorry. (laughs) But they're like playing music and like laughing and my neighbors are, we just moved to this new campground and they are so nice, but they are out literally all the time playing music and talking. So you guys are probably going to become very close with them as we are here for this assignment. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. They're just living their life. Having a grand old time. They're having a great time. And you know what? I love that journey for them. Let them let them party. We're just going to try and edit them okay. out if we can. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, man. Chapter number 13. Nesta is sore as hell, and she is stacking books in the library. So we are back in the library. Good things happen in the library. <laughs> and always. she's trying to place. Oh, uh, yeah. It's always such a positive experience, and I freaking love it. So she's trying to place a book on a particularly high shelf when Gwen finds her. And Gwen asks her if she's seen volume seven of The Great War. And Nessa's like, no, I haven't seen that. Why? Gwen reveals she works for someone named Meryl as her research assistant. And we, in this moment, learn Meryl is scary and and very unpleasant. (laughs) She's not a very nice person. (laughs) (laughs) and 
Gwen tells Nessa that she was supposed to obtain Volume 7 for Meryl, but accidentally brought her Volume 8. And that Meryl will kill her if she finds out before Gwen can swap them out and fix her mistake. And when Nessa is like, why is this such a big deal? Gwen tells her that Meryl doesn't accept mistakes. (laughs) Jeez. That's like, that's so harsh. (laughs) God. And That's very harsh. It's like, oops, I gave you one volume off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a book. Oh, my God. Are we? Yeah. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell if we were lagging or not. <laughs> We're definitely lagging. It's me. Am I my friend? Can you hear me in Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Here we go. We got this. We can make this work. It's fine. (laughs) Literally, while my neighbors scream outside my door. Everything's fine. Everything is falling apart. Okay. Well, I'm also falling apart, you guys. So we are going to make this work because (laughs) it has to. All right. So not only does Meryl not accept mistakes, what a lovely woman, uh, Gwen doesn't like to fail. And again, I see myself in Gwen so much because I am the same way. I hate, I hate messing up. Literally, you guys, like when I play piano, if I don't play it perfectly, I go back and start from the beginning again. Like I hate making mistakes. You and Gwen are, yeah. That's actually, yeah. It's actually kind of a. Yeah. Are you Gwen? Am I Gwen? When she, you know, when she's like, when she gets it in her head about the ribbon and she like literally doesn't stop until she gets it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think Gwen is my Akatar, my SJM character. Oh my God. She sings when she does the longer, stuff. The longer I'm like thinking about it, I have goosebumps. That's when you yeah. know it's real. Fate's telling it's me. <laughs> oh I'm going Yeah. So uh, yeah, 100%. Even, her, even even the not so great characteristics of not liking to fail. That's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, quote that is Hannah. Quote. I don't want to make any more mistakes. Yes, Gwen. I feel you. Uh, but like she knows the the females around her have been through herself included, but everyone around her has just been through so much, and they took her in, and she doesn't want to let them down. And I, I love that Gwen has such a beautiful soul. I love her. Oh, mm-hmm. and because she's you, and you have a beautiful soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's cue, why. Cue Jesse McCartney. <laughs> I want yes. you to be beautiful. So this is a musical episode, guys. Okay. So because you're Gwen. Because I'm Gwen. <laughs> Nesta asks Gwen if she has left the mountain since she got there. And Gwen tells her 
none of the priestesses leave the mountain until it's time for them to go back to like the world at large. And some of them actually end up staying forever. And I think that really it just gives you really a picture of like the hardcore trauma and true ugliness that these women have experienced that it's just so so crippling that they don't want to go back out and be around anyone other than themselves basically mm-hmm. um and i do love that she does mention like we do we do have like windows like re-sclamored windows into the side of the mountain so it doesn't look like there are dormitories there with windows but there are and i think that's nice that that they have like fresh air and sunshine mm-hmm. that's important Got it. When it comes to mental health, you guys, vitamin D, vitamin D, get some sunshine and some fresh air. Um, So Nesta asks her what she does with all her spare time since she's always in the mountain. And Gwen reveals that she loves going to the evening services that the priestesses have because she loves music. And she also mentions that she was an acolyte in Sangrava before she came to the mountain. And this Nessa's like, hmm, I feel like I heard of that before, but it's not really like clicking for her at this moment. Um, and then essentially like Gwen just kind of rushes off to face the, the peril of Meryl, which, <laughs> which I'm just now realizing rhymes. The peril of Meryl. Now that I said it out loud. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's like the title of like a old The Peril of Meryl. Meryl. <laughs> it's like a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. Oh, God. So, alone again, Nesta wonders if the house can send her food. Could it find her the missing volume, perhaps? So she asks the house for volume seven of the Great War. And boom, it appears. I love the house so much. I want to be friends with the house. Right? I'd be like, house, can you send me footage of Cassian alone in his chambers? (laughs) (laughs) You know know what I'm looking for. (laughs) I would like it at nighttime when I am in my room for science (laughs) purposes. Creepy. (laughs) I love it. The house would be like, ooh, the house is Surrey. The house is like Surrey as a friend. Yes. I love that. I love, yeah, that's her version of the cereal. Oh, I love it. Oh, man. Because you know the house has seen it all. And I think there's even a moment where Cassian is like, oh, God, the things I've done in this house. Yes. <laughs> um. So- Again, which is why I'm like, footage, please. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Nesta locates Meryl's office, and she enters, and she's like, tr- gonna try and discreetly s- switch the volumes. But Nesta has a thing on her feet, because Meryl, when she meets her, is like, you idiot, I didn't ask for books. And Nesta brilliantly thinking on her feet is like oh well i was told to bring these books to Roslyn, like and that this is where her office was and meryl is like the audacity you think i'm Roslyn? 
major scoff. Like, oh, the gall. I'm like, poor Rosalind. Rosalind's probably like the sweetest little priestess that you ever did see. And yep. she's just like, that babbling fool? Me? Never. Yeah. Never. <laughs> and so Nesta apologizes and is able to swap the volumes on her way out. And I just like, because I have to question everything. I've been married to my husband for too long because this is how he is. How, (laughs) literally how does she do this? If she's carrying an armful of books, like Nessa missed her calling as a street magician because she, to like switch out her, like you must have some long nimble fingers like that can like hold a giant ass tome in like two fingers and switch the other like without like putting these books down it didn't make sense in my head but i don't know who knows maybe i'm misunderstanding the way it was written I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. no i agree with you yeah i'm like how <laughs> um so nesta leaves meryl's office now in search for gwen and she finds her singing while she searches for books and when gwen sings she glows And the song, like, draws Nesta in. And I think we just have a lot of cool stuff to learn about Gwen and her nymph heritage. And she honestly, like, when she's singing and it's drawing Nesta in, she sounds like a siren. Like, you know, in, like, old Greek mythology Mm -hmm. when the sirens would, like, sing to the sailors? Like, that's what that reminded me of. Yeah, to lure them to their death on the rocks. Oh, so cool. So, Nesta interrupts Gwen singing and just shows her volume eight (laughs) revealing she replaced it with volume seven and Gwen is like oh my god thank you so much you just like saved me from a verbal beating like I really appreciate you and yeah yeah, like this is like where their friendship truly begins (laughs) and she Mm -hmm. Nessa asks Gwen like you guys must be able to hear this. What is literally what is happening? I can hear. I heard that one a little bit. I did hear that one. <laughs> like, oh my God. I'm going to have to talk to my neighbors. Jeez. Okay. So, yeah, she, Nessa asks Gwen, like, what is Meryl researching anyway that's so important that, like, you messing up one book is like the end of the world? And she tells her, uh, Meryl, can you hear this? All the screaming. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I like really hope it's that not. It... I can barely hear it though. Okay, I can barely. Hear also, it. my Kindle app is crashing, so I'm gonna summarize it the best I can because we have talked about this multiple times. Um, so when she asks what Meryl's research is, we learn that Meryl is researching how some people theorize that there are multiple worlds that can be like on top of each other existing in the same space but like layered on top of each other um if you have not read all of sarah j moss's books now would be a great time to skip forward just a little bit um we're not gonna go super in detail about this because we have talked about this on our patreon before but this is like introducing the idea that there can be multiple worlds existing in the same place which we learn when we read uh, flame and shadow all of this has been confirmed so there are multiple universes that are existing on top of each other and it's 
mind-blowing and brilliant. And Sarah J. Mass is a genius. And I will say, when Gwen talks about how they theorize there are, like, multiple worlds and then, like, the there could be up to, like, 26 with the very last one being time itself... We talked about that as well on our Patreon of how the harp has 26 strings. And when Nesta plucks that 26 string, time itself slows, almost stops. So I do think it's going to be really cool to see how like any of our other worlds and maybe even some new worlds introduced from Sarah J. Mass. Like, I don't know. I just think it's really, really cool that these all exist in the same in the same like place essentially yeah that's absolutely wild to think about oh oh my god (sighs) flame and shadow blew my little tiny pea-sized brain like just (laughs) 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 my brain is pea soup now (laughs) that is literally coming from one of the most intelligent people i know just (laughs) (laughs) thank you i'm flattered but (laughs) (laughs) it's just so funny hearing you talk about yourself like that <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh god. Whew. Oh man. So then another thing that we learn is that and and just really quick, if you guys want to know more about that, go check out our Patreon. We we truly go on a deep dive there and we're not going to not talk about these things in um our podcast, regular podcast, but we've spent a lot of time talking about the worlds and and theories around that. So go give those a listen if you want like excruciating detail. Cause we do go into that there. Um, mm-hmm. But moving on, we also learn that Meryl's research is also on the Valkyries. I am obsessed with the Valkyries. <gasps> obsessed. <gasps> so <laughs> Valkyries, Valkyries. Um, so Gwen tells her they are a clan, they were a clan of all female warriors from another territory. They were better fighters than the Illyrians. And they weren't like their own race like the Illyrians. They were actually comprised of like, just like people from different regions, essentially. And Meryl is compiling their training techniques and their history into a book. Because most of the legends of theirs were passed down by mouth and not the written like written word. And we learn that the Valkyries were wiped out by the war 500 years ago and their territory was kind of absorbed into all of the other territories. And they had three stages of training, novice, blade, and Valkyrie. And I just, again, I find them so fascinating. I want to know more about them. Where was this territory? Like, who were the who were the women that started this? Um, I need, like, a novella of, like, short stories comprised of, like, their, like, stories of them in battle and their camaraderie. And I just, there's something about a unit of all female soldiers, like... Um, At the summer camp I worked at in Tennessee when I was in college, we had the Amazons and the Valkyries. It was an all-girls summer camp. And I loved, like, learning. They, like, taught you kind of about, like, the mythology behind the Amazons and the Valkyries. And I just think it's just so... It's like like Wonder Woman. She's an Amazon. She's an Amazonian warrior. Like, if you've ever watched Wonder Woman 
and you oh. those women those like those Ooh. like crossfit women oh my god those women are insane like i wouldn't want to meet them in a dark alley and be on their bad side no, uh, thank you. yeah another great movie to watch is either of the black panther movies also has just oh phenomenal yes. legion of women warriors and they're just so badass they're so cool they're so fucking cool oh, oh they're so there's love it. yes i forgot about that too oh so good so good and so gwen then after telling us all this lovely information rushes off with another thanks to nesta and nesta heads to her room at the house of wind where the house has conjured her a hot meal and a warm bath and she just fell into a deep and dreamless sleep, only to wake slightly when she smelled a familiar scent beckoning to her. But it left as quickly as it came. <sighs> Chapter 14 The next morning, Cass stood in the training ring, and this point he's a little concerned because nesta still isn't there but she missed dinner last night too and when he peeked into her room the house excused him and showed him the plates that she had eaten that evening as if the house were like showing off that she had eaten i it, th this whole moment just feels very wholesome and pure i love it <laughs> it, it yeah it's just wholesome and he he then begins to kind of second guess himself until he hears until he heard scuffling and then cursing and then he puts his eyes on a very very sore nesta and again having having been a personal trainer myself and like working like worked in a few different like strength and conditioning programs and also gone through them myself i can picture this perfectly yes i can feel the sensations that she's feeling and i can also feel the like probably battling things that cass is feeling where it's like oh it's good that means she worked hard at the same time where you're like "Ooh, maybe we worked too hard you know <laughs> like, yes you know it's that it's that soreness I, I, it's just where... like such a visceral oh <laughs> Sorry, I think I ended up interrupting you because you go, of the internet. You go. Nope, nope. You go. You're you said good. You're good. That visceral. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you guys, I that is one of my biggest. I hate. I hate interrupting people. It like kills something inside of me every single time I do it on accident, and it's just like I'm so sorry. You can please finish what you were saying. Do not. Do not be sorry. This is. Don't be sorry at all. Um, I was just going to say it's like a very visceral experience for everyone inv involved. Um, and she like finally gets there and was like about to basically crumble on the ground. And he's like, "No, no, no, don't sit down. Whatever you do, don't fucking sit down." <laughs> and that's like when you're really, really sore. Yeah, exactly. When you're really, really sore and you sit down for even like five minutes, when you get back up, it's always exponentially worse exponentially worse yes so it is you just skip the sitting just hop right into the warm-up and before <laughs> they knew it 
Two hours went by, and when he instructed her, she listened. And at the end, again, same thing as yesterday, she lay panting on the mat. She's sweaty and sore, but she's content. And Cass explains that, like, over time, the soreness does get better. It never quite goes away, but it does get better. And then, with permission, he helped her stretch out. Okay, listen. Listen. (laughs) For those of you who have ever been in the position that Cass and Nesta are currently in, I I am imagining, and I guarantee this is what she was trying to write, Nesta's on her back right? Her hamstrings are the things that are really, really sore. So the things on the back of your legs, the big muscles on the back of your legs, behind your knee, behind your thigh. Um, She probably has like her left knee bent, just to give you some imagery, her left knee bent, her right leg straight, and then Cass is sitting right next to her and taking her leg, the straight leg, and pushing it up until he feels resistance, okay? And if you've never had someone stretch your hammies like this, you do not understand how amazing it feels one Mm -hmm. but it can also be quite the sexual experience if you're with someone you find attractive it is it is Mm -hmm. a very intimate position to be in especially with someone that you're not currently sexually active with (laughs) yeah but you like it is mm -hmm. but you are attracted to yeah yeah it's an it's, experience. And if you know, you know. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. anyway, moving on. Cass notes, you're pretty nimble on your feet. Um, and she opens a small door into her past. Into how, just like we were talking about earlier, she was her mother's creature. And her sisters were their father's creatures. Right? It was her and her mom. And that's about all we got from that. You know, she had so much opportunity to give a little bit more insight, but we know that she was her mother's creature and she was kind of molded into a dancer, essentially. But she closed herself off and changed the subject. And she asked about what happened to the priestesses two years ago. And up until now, it's been like a a fade to black, obviously not in a romantic way, but like a fade to black when we've talked about the events of the day of the attack on that temple. But Cass in this moment spares no details. And long story short, these priestesses were either slaughtered for sport and the ones that weren't slaughtered were severely like sexually assaulted. And it is what he tells is horrific. It's absolutely horrific. And we get even more detail later on in this book about that day's events as well. And yeah. He he further told the story of how Moore and Az had arrived. Yeah. How he had arrived to help the survivors and provide refuge. And Cass actually didn't know that any of those survivors were here. Were under were staying at the library or working at the library. He didn't know that. So, you know, he he kind of divulges that he's happy that they're here and that they made it out and they're safe now. And then we get a little complete change, just a little flip-flop. So before we can even dive into these horrors, 
Cass is in the sprint court. And we all know how that goes. Yes. Our poor little itchy boy. Little itchy, itchy boy. (laughs) When I say that Riley, that Cassian reminds me of Riley, (laughs) for anyone who doesn't know, my husband has the worst seasonal allergies and just like general allergies. Like he has a deadly tree nut allergy, but like he, like if there's like, if a place is dusty or like, Anything like that. Every time we move, his poor allergies just—he survives on Zyrtec. Like d- Cassia needs a Claritin. Like someone get this man a Claritin. No shit. <laughs> but I just think it's so. When I like reading this book for the first time, when I was like, "Oh yeah, like like Cassie and like coaching her reminds me a lot of Riley. He's a lot like that in the gym. Like very like patient, very." He's observant when it comes to your form and he's always just trying to like help you be better at like anything you try. If he knows anything about it, he's going to try and help you be better at it. Then I read this and I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) he has seasonal allergies. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it's it's like it's. It is Riley level allergies, too. Like itchy all over. Yes, it's like. He's like, there are tiny bugs crawling everywhere. I want to rip my skin off and burn it. (laughs) Get me out of (laughs) here. And he's there. Cass is there with Reese. And Reese is amused. And Reese just says, the feared general felled by seasonal allergies. (laughs) Naturally. Oh, my God. And, of course, Eris has to join the party, too. Um. And this encounter between the three of them further highlights why Cass hates everything about politics and isn't cut out for this court bullshit, essentially. And they decide they're like, Eris just offers to be like, oh, let's just let's just kill the queens. And (laughs) Reese, in his own way, because he's good at this, the court stuff, he pretends to debate the merits of Eris's points, while Cass looks between them is like, what the fuck? We can't do that. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. This will and end badly. Like... Yeah. It's just where Cass... Cass just doesn't understand, like, the social nuances of the situation. Um. Again, the Riley... His Riley's peeking through. <laughs> his Riley is coming through. Like, like, if Riley's moral compass is pointing a certain direction, even if yes. you want to, like, have an open discussion about it, Riley's like, no, this is the way it needs to be. No, that's yeah. not okay. This is the way it needs to be. No. <laughs> and you're like, Riley, just just listen. Just listen to what we have. He's like, no. there, There's yeah. no other options. This is this yeah. is the right way. This is the, and this this is is the appropriate Cassie. response. Yeah. He's um, just like. No, this is dumb. That won't work. Yeah. <laughs> There's no like, maybe we could find another way. No, he's just like, uh, that's stupid and a horrible plan. <laughs> <sighs> right. And then Reese is finally like, yeah, okay, I agree with Cass. We can't do that. And Eris speaks in riddles for basically the remainder of the conversation. And he hints at his father wanting lands he hints that the weakest link is where they're currently standing obviously which is the 
spring court. And, uh-oh, we lost Hannah. Can you see me? We lost Hannah. Hello? Can you hear me? Oh. Oh. Okay. So, Eris hints at his father wanting lands, hints that the weakest link is where they currently stand, which is the spring court. And so, Reese looks to Eris and says, You've turned into quite the little traitor. To which Eris responded, I told you years ago what I wanted, High Lord. And Cass, again, the same exact situation. He cuts straight to the chase and he's just like, why? Why? Why, why bother? <laughs> and a moment passes before Eris said, quote, For the same reason I left Morgan untouched at the border. And when Cass argued, No, you didn't. You... You left her there to suffer and die. And by the way, I still want to rip your head from your shoulders for that. <laughs> so, I don't know. Give yourself a little pat on the back for still having your head attached. And yeah. <laughs> Eris just sneered in return. And he just said, did I? Perhaps you should ask Morrigan whether that is true. I think she finally knows the answer. Which is... <sighs> Again, we hook, line, and sinker. And it's just, this is just something we have thought about and talked about so many times. SJM, just tell us. Tell us what's really going on. Either have more tell us or have Eris tell us or have someone figure it out. Because this is something that I think is just like a crucial missing piece for Eris's story to to really fall into place because obviously we're still in bad boy heiress territory and like not in a good way yet we like bad boy i like the idea of bad boy heiress but i want like i want bad boy heiress not his current douchebag heiress you know yeah not not mean heiress um, but bad boy heiress so heiress left and cass found reese again in a very distracted place and this has been happening a lot lately, Cass realized. He's entirely, Cass is entirely, or not Cass, Reese is entirely retreated into his mind. But when Cass, like, tries to, like, ask him about it, he just says nothing. Nothing. It's nothing. So Reese, like, obviously there's something going on, but he's not quite ready to divulge that to his friend, his brother. So it's obviously a big deal. So returning to Nesta's point of view after this whole debacle in, on the spring court lands, um, Nesta's at the library and her evening work is rather solitary today since Gwen did not seek her out. So she returned to the house and was called to try the stairs again. 
And this time, she made it to step 150 before she was forced to stop. And she waited for the world to stop spinning and began the grueling trek back up. This is, again, we've talked about this before, but it doesn't make sense. When you're going down, why are you so damn dizzy? Is it just because yeah. you're, like, going in a spiral staircase? Mm, but, like, be. that's one thing. Yeah. But, like, you're so again. exhausted after 150 steps going down? Yeah, going down. Yeah. I don't know. Going up, sure. Hell yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of steps. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot of steps going up. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the house, when she gets back up to the top, bless its heart, had food and a smutty book waiting for her. Yes. But wait, there's more. It had a bath running for her again with special oils. And then she said, quote, I think you might be my only friend. But not, again, not in like a, de- it's not Nesta to be like, mm-hmm. w- like wallowing in that. She's just saying it like, like it's a fact. Yeah. She's just like, you might be my only friend. Yep. Like grateful yeah. for the friendship that the house is providing. And gosh oh, darn sure. if the house didn't eat that up because it immediately dished her up a massive piece of chocolate cake. Ah, uh, I love Good that job, so Nesta. much. Yeah. Yeah. I am your friend, Nessa. Here's some cake. <laughs> yeah. You, this is you. This is you because you have just like such a strong, a strong desire for like sweet stuff that the house like would be perfect for you because oh, it would just be yes. able to provide you all the things that you want whenever you want. Uh It'd be dangerous. I would need to climb those stairs to not You'd have become to climb those stairs every day. <laughs> I'd have to go up and down all 10,000. I'd be like, can I just have the entire cake, please, house? I, it's been a day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. And that's another thing. We talk about this a lot, but with, like, the four of us, as and the four of us being Hannah and I and our husbands, mm-hmm. um, my husband and Hannah have a lot in common, and their sweet tooth is one of them. Yes, it's it is. It's just, like always it like doesn't matter what it is or like we'll all be hanging out and if i were to bring a chocolate cake in like ben and hannah literally may faint from just sheer excitement from (laughs) that oh i can and it's just like it's just so wholesome Mm -hmm. i can always count on ben anytime i bake something sweet like when we live next door to you guys the number of times i would just text and be like I made some cookies. Want some? And Ben's like, yes. Like, immediately. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. We're like, so good. me and Riley are much more, like, we really love sweet things, but it's, like, specific sweet things. Like, Hannah's cookies, I will, I I would shed five years of my life if for, like, a batch of those cookies. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, cookies just <laughs> fuck me up. And Hannah's cookies in particular are, I shit you not, like, the best thing to ever bless this earth. For those of you who came to the Minneapolis meetup, you freaking know. That shit's good. Oh, yeah, good. that's right. That shit's so, <laughs> so good. I I could talk up to, for hours about those fucking cookies. But, like, any anything else, especially if it's not made by Hannah, like, anything else, I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm just, like, not a huge whatever. You, Unless it's, you like, a specific Riley... chocolate. 
Yeah, you guys are more savory snackers. Like you like mm-hmm. like salty, you like like chips and like more of those things. Mm-hmm. Um and I could literally eat sweets like they are a meal. Like there's just nothing in my brain that tells me like when people literally when I like know people who will eat a bite of something and be like it's too rich. I can only have three bites. And meanwhile, I finished my That's first me. slice and I'm already. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh, this is rich. Uh, a cow is going in for my second piece. <laughs> That's Cannot why, relate. <laughs> That's why I, yeah, with like really, really chocolatey things in particular, like a big piece of chocolate cake, I would literally eat like two bites of it. And I'd be like, no, I can't. It's too much. It's so good. It's delicious. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. But I, I I can't. It makes my tummy hurt. <laughs> just I can't do it. But then if, if you, you put cookies trembles. in front of me, if you put cookies in front of me, oh my god, I'll eat I'll I'll eat all of them. I'll eat seven in a row. I'll eat five in a row, and I'm like I might throw up, but I don't even care. <laughs> like, can I have another? <laughs> can I have another? I'll throw up so I can eat more cookies. <laughs> yeah. Real, oh, just hold on, real quick. Um, speaking of, you should. You should read, I've said this a million times, I'm obsessed with this book. You have to read The Umber King because the main male character has like a severe sweet tooth. Like, it just like, it just reminded me of you. I love this. Yes. Oh, I'm I'm going to start it. I think I'm going to actually start it tomorrow. Now that I can like physically hold my Kindle and read. (laughs) Yes. Right. Oh, man. All right. So with that chocolate piece of cake we end the chapter that's it yes i love it oh <laughs> these are good chapters like i'm glad i'm glad we got these through a lot of the chapters. ick in the beginning yeah <laughs> now we're heading yeah, towards me more too. positivity. these are great chapters yes and we are lagging severely now so this is a great time for us to wrap this episode up <laughs> oh it's so bad all right guys make sure next week you read (laughs) oh no hannah you just read you just read you just read the whole thing i'll read the whole thing you do your thing at the end okay here we go Make sure you guys guys read chapters 15 through 17 of akasif to be prepared for our next episode as always, thank you guys, each and every single one of you. Thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. We wouldn't be a book club if it wasn't for you guys. We appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at House of Wind Pod and email us your theories or burning questions to House of Wind Podcast at gmail.com. This information can also be found in the show notes. See you guys next week. Stay smutty.